Hi, everyone. Good morning and welcome to Girl Club. <clears throat> you know what I find really funny every week, actually, um, is that you come out of this fabulous promo where me and the Girl Club crew uh, are all dolled up and glamorous. And or at least I'll speak for myself, you know, hair, uh, lights, camera and action. And then the screen pops over to me looking like this which is my real look all week long, especially as I've been uh, unpacking and packing storage boxes. So welcome to Girl Club. I'm Cynthia Garrett, and this is the place where real girls have real talk about real issues, seeking to apply our very real faith. And uh, we are about to dive in this week with Nova Page, Girl Club crew regular, host, um, mother, wife, girlfriend, pastor, and an extraordinary singer and songwriter, everybody. Hi, Nove. Hi. Hi. How are you, Cynthia? You look cozy. I'm trying to get my cozy on, too. I'm cold this morning. I have, I actually have a Christmas blanket. Like, what? (laughs) I didn't put it away. (laughs) Wait, look at me, because I'm obsessed with stars. Oh. (laughs) For all my sisters out there. My my sisters. My sisters. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, it's what interesting, Cynthia, because like in the midst of like all your crazy and busy, you're still here. And just like, you know what? I might be in the middle of boxes, but I'm committed to Girl Club. And so I feel really grateful that we can continue uh, to just, you know, have these conversations that we're going to have today. And it's just yeah. the two of us. Yeah. We can make it if we try. Yes, <laughs> I know. And I love, I love, you know, it's so funny because um, for those of you who are regulars, you know that there are four of us every week. And sometimes, you know, with our, look, spiritual chicks on the go, right? So with our lives, there's Christina Reynolds has some really important family things going on today. So, you know, we, we send prayers over to Christina and Christina Boudreaux has, I think, her a woman's event this morning or something, yeah. right? Yes, she does. So yeah. they're, they're doing ministry for sure. Yeah. yeah. So it looks yeah. different this exactly. morning. Exactly. Yeah. So, but it's nice because I, I always love when it's two of us and it kind of, it feels a little more intimate and it's crazy because we really do get to dive in deep sometimes. And I don't know, it's girlfriend time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So join us girls yeah. and some of those boys out there. <laughs> yeah. Some of those guys out there. Some of those guys, um, I, we got an email from someone this week and he's been sending our girl club talks to his girlfriend. And it was so cute because he wrote in his letter. He said, I wish she was more like you ladies, but I'm going to just keep feeding her. Um, so that she grows. How That's awesome really that? sweet. I know. It's so sweet. Right. It's so sweet. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out to the man being the man and covering the relationship correctly. Yeah. That's really cool. I know. Yeah. I love that. And I love that he thinks us whack jobs are worthy of his <laughs> girlfriend being like, <laughs> I like oh my goodness. <laughs> I take that back. We don't, we don't receive that word, but <laughs> we're, like, we're... Now, dear brother in Christ. <laughs> No, that's, that's, that's awesome. I think I feel super privileged to be a part of their, you know, anybody's, you know, journey. So yeah, I know. Thank you guys, you know, for the comments and the letters that you send in. It's, it is really encouraging. And, and I'll tell you, it's, it's why on a Saturday morning to go live so that you guys have this program 
I think it's it's the thing that keeps us going. I know it's the thing that makes me keep coming back to ministry is just to know that even one person, you know, uh, much less a thousand persons are being impacted by the love of the Lord, you know? So we haven't, yeah, we're going to start, Nova and I are going to start an interesting series of conversations that I think are going to take us through a few weeks uh, here on Girl Club. And I just want to read something to you. You know, first, let me sort of tell you how I got this. I woke up and as I do every morning and I kind of lay in the bed a couple hours, just praying and talking to the Lord about what he wants to encourage you guys with for the week. And hi, Miche. Hi, uh, the power of a virtuous woman. It's good to see you. I see people logging in and saying hello. Thank you. If you're watching, send in your comments. Let us know you're there. Um, But, you know, this was really interesting because what I really wanted, I feel like, and Nova, you'll get this. I feel like we're the place that keeps it so real that it's oftentimes always a rebuke, a, you know, a critique, a, a, a strong hand, you know, and, and I am pretty strong and bold about my faith because it is, I think, look, you guys, I, I, I've climbed a lot of mountains with only my faith as my guide and it, it, it makes me crazy and sometimes maybe a little intolerant. You know, when I see people repeating the same mistakes over and over again, so I can be very like, no, you know that you got to do this. But the reality is how tolerant was God with me? You know, how patient was God with me and how patient is he with all of us? Yeah. Very, you know, Mm -hmm. so anyway, so I woke up this morning and I wanted a cheerleader message. I wanted a nice rah, 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 sis, boom, ba, you can do it, you can do it, ha, ha, ha message to teach about and fellowship about. And I got that, but it comes in a very interesting package because I literally know that this was from the Lord. And I woke up and I get this headline, meet those who love Jesus, but not the church. And I was like, oh, wow. So I'm going to read, I'm going to start here. Love Jesus, church, not so much. That's sort of the title of of these talks that we're going to have. But I want to read something to you as Nova and I dive into this. And I got to tell you, this is a topic that we really, we understand personally. Like we understand personally. You know, I think um, part of my passion for ministry is I want to be someone who tries to help others get it right and who tries to heal people who've been wounded by the church, you know? Um, But I, I want to open with this. So we live in an increasingly secular American culture. In this new age, religion is in retreat from the public square and traditional institutions like the church are no longer functioning with cultural authority and with the cultural authority they once held in generations past. Today, nearly half of America is unchurched. But even though more and more Americans are abandoning the institutional church and its defined boundary markers of religious identity, many people still believe in God and practice faith outside its walls. And a lot of this is going to be what Nova and I are talking about. The good, the bad, the ugly, the useful, the harmful, Is that working? Is that not working? So this is the first of an exploration of faith and spirituality outside the church conversation. So we're going to start here with a fascinating look at a segment of the American population who, as the saying goes, 
love Jesus, but not the church. And I think a lot of people can relate to just that love Jesus, but not the church. And it's interesting because I know we're going to keep coming back to another and a bigger question that sort of sits over this. So as we have these conversations, I really want you to think about, and as you unpack your emotions, uh, you know, where you go, yeah, I agree with that. That's why I don't go to church. I agree with that. That's why I don't go to church. I want you to also think about this one question throughout the next few weeks, and then we'll land there. And the question is, and my husband said it, and he said it so perfectly this morning, it was, came out of his mouth and he didn't even know why. And it was, how much does Jesus love his bride? Does Jesus love his bride? Well, his bride is us, right? The church. And we know that he loves the church so much that he died for her. So in answering this question, it's pretty powerful that we're here having the conversation we're going to have. And um, Anna, if you could just throw up that first graph uh, let's let's start dive in here, Nova, because mm-hmm. no, this is so love Jesus, but not the church. So in this first graph, 61% of women love Jesus, but not the church, 39%. And then look at millennials, lower, Gen Xers, baby boomers, elders, only 6%. I think that's because elders are sort of, they're already in the church. So you have less of them you know, who, so that number would be smaller. Millennials may not even know the church, so their number is smaller, but I find these other numbers to be really interesting. Mm -hmm. A lot of people love Jesus, but not the church, Nova. Um, Yeah. You know, and I think there's a distinction there too, between the institution of church and what we can Christianese uh, the, you know, we are, I mean, we are the church, we, the people, but I think like in the, the context of this conversation, we're talking about, you know, the, the institute, the actual places we go. Right. So we want to make sure we're framing this in a, because we know that we are, we are the body, we are the church, but the truth is we we're in this, the context of this conversation to reference, we're saying church, a place that we're going. So, Right. Yes. That's really what we're talking about here. So I I did find it astounding when you say, you know, 61% of females love Jesus, but not the church or going to this place where they're just not loving maybe what they see happening around them. They have been either wounded or they just don't feel like they get anything from it. Or they're, if they've tried to give, it's not been received. Is that's, I mean, maybe I'm going too far into the conversation, but as I'm thinking about our conversation, I'm like, yeah, yeah, I get that. Well, yeah. And let's, let's sit there for, let's sit there, you know, to start, like, why would people love Jesus and not the church? And you started touching on all of those answers. And I think, look, any of us, you know, we've got we definitely have our perspectives. I think we've all experienced some reason or some hurt or, or offense, let's be real. Um, you know, and off, we shouldn't be offended, but we get offended, right? We're human uh, and, and we're going to deal with all of that in these conversations. But, you know, 
look at look at what uh, this comment from Power of a Virtuous Woman. So true. I love me some Jesus for sure, but I don't but I don't have a problem with the church at all. I just find I'm better in my own lane with the Lord because that is what Jesus said he came to change. Right. Well, I mean, look at that comment. Yes, he wants a personal relationship with us. Right. Yeah. But but that the church, that building that we go to, you know, why do we? Yeah, I think there's a balance, right? I think we have to have that personal relationship, but then there's also that building that we go to. And I think, Nova, that building that we go to has disappointed a lot of people. And I know, you know, you made a comment this morning before we started where you were saying, you know, sometimes like we were made to worship the Lord, right? But I have definitely been to conferences or gatherings where the worship felt more like a push to entertain than an anointed gathering. And you're a worship leader. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I think again, peeling back to the peeling it back. I, and, and it mentioned it in the article as you began to kind of read that first part, it's, it's the church isn't leading culture. The culture is leading the church. And so I think people go in and they're disillusioned because they're like, I could basically go to like any place and get this same thing. So, and, and and of course, Cynthia, like I'm keeping in mind that there are a whole bunch of different personalities. There's a whole bunch of people that view things because of even how they grew up and they're going to see things so very differently. But I think we have come in and I'm going to say, especially the, large mega church celebrity type, um, churches. And, and I, and I don't mean that with any harsh rebuke or anything, but it, it can, because they're so large, it can tend to just become this very like thing that you swoop in, get what you need and swoop out. And so when people see the breakdown, cause it happens, you see that, wow, this is amazing. And look at how they talk and how they worship. But then they find something terrible out about that particular church or person, how they felt. And they're just disillusioned. It's like, man, does Jesus even work? Like they're saying he does, but like it didn't really work for them. And then, you know, and I know this is a very layered conversation and it, it, this is a very deep conversation, but I think when we walk into the church, we can be so excited and be entertained. But then after you've been there for a while, you sit back and go, okay, what is this really about? And then if it's just about being entertained, it's like, well, I can get that anywhere. I want depth. I want relationship. I want like the early church took care of each other. You know what I mean? They really care for each other's needs. And sometimes people just don't even know what people need because they're coming in, getting what they want and they get out and we're not. So, so when I say church isn't leading culture, culture is leading church. The church should be leading the culture of like, Hey, we come together. I want you guys to know each other. I want, you know, discipleship needs to be on the forefront, but we're letting Instagram disciple. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. There's a whole generation of young pastors on social media that I think that's the closest they get to most of the people in their churches. A. B. When I see them, I smell on them a bit of a, 
a glory grab, I call it, you know, a bit of a, a wow. desire for fame, you know, position. And I mean, we certainly serve a God who was not grabbing for glory or seeking fame and attention or position, right? He just had it because of the authority that was given him from God, our father. But it is really interesting because I think that I, I, I think that, well, Miche's, Miche's comment kind of plays into what I want to say. Um, so let's get that up on screen. I think Jesus always stressed that the church is not a building. It's people who come together and love the Lord. I absolutely. Um, and that's why, you know, it, you know, it is, it's true. And it, it just that knowledge helps me even when I think about girl club and us gathering together, right? It helps me to realize the significance of people who love the Lord coming together really is because iron sharpens iron, the Bible says. And without the fellowship of the brethren, you called that scripture earlier, right? The fellowship of the forsake, not the gathering of the, mm-hmm. of the fellowship of the brethren. Yeah. The Hebrews 10, 25, right? So yeah. Important. Not forsaking coming together. And I, I that is so yes, in the context of this, we, in American church, we see church as this place that we go a building, but we know scripturally it's the gathering together of the saints. And the reason we come together and corporate, the, the corporate part is because, and I, I shared this with you, Cynthia earlier, it's like, man, when we come together, I I'm reminded of how much I love being with you. And like you, you spark, you spur one another on and you like encourage each other and you get stoked for Jesus together. And it is awesome. And because, and we break bread together. So we don't forget what Jesus did because we can, we have amnesia and we forget who he is and what he did and why he lived and died and rose again. We forget. And so coming together is to remember and remind and ignite and disciple and, you know, be together like, and, and get deep. But we, don't necessarily do that. We come to a pew or a chair and we sit and we go, that was a good song. I didn't like that song. He said like three good things, but I think he said that word wrong. And we just become viewers of things that happen on a stage and we don't engage our hearts yeah. with one another. And the tr- and now I don't want to say uh, it's not all the time. Like there are people that have real experiences but yes. what in the context of this conversation, it's like so many are disillusioned because the, the church has become celebritized and people are disappointed and they're like, why bother? I can get this anywhere else. Right. And another point, which Roger always says, and, and, and this is the point that actually it convicts me of, you know, when and why. I should be in church in the building, not yeah. just not, not, you know, like the gathering together critical because I, I mean, look, let's face it. I think small groups and home home church, I think, I mean, it's the revelation model of church anyway, in the, in the end times that we're going to be meeting together in small groups, in homes and what have you. I think the whole rock star Christianity, big church, man on pulpit thing is a thing that you can't go deep in, you know, you can't because you're missing the intimate, the the fellowship, the one-on-one. 
But when you're involved in that, you know, the big thing, the man there on the pulpit, the church, the building, right? My husband always says to me, and this is a really good point, I guess, and support system for the church, the building, the going together on on the Sunday that you worship. He always says, honey, don't forget, church isn't necessarily about what you're going to get when you go there. Church is about what you're there to give to others around you. And that always strikes me powerfully because I it convicts me because I remember that if each of us is as strong in our individual relationship with Christ, like uh, the, the power of a virtuous woman, like the way she commented before, right? Um, if each of us is really strong in that personal relationship, we've got stuff to overflow. So when we go to church, to the building, our focus should be about who can I help around me? Because the pastor may be way up there and I'm yeah. down here in the yeah. middle. And if each of us lived here in the middle and we really lived together and impacted each other, we would look a lot more like the old school churches that took care of each other. Yes, but- Here's the thing. I 100% agree with you. I think the missing link in peace can be that the pastor on the pulpit has to value that and tell the people this is of high value. Do not worship me. Do not come to, you know, hear the next good thing. It it's I really think that leadership has to set the tone. Again, they have to create the culture within the building like I'm just a man. I like put my pants on one leg at a time. I need you guys to show up for each other. This becomes the actual church. Not like, look at how amazing, look what an amazing word I can give. Now that is all well and good. That's beautiful. But you know what my husband always says? He goes, no, the sermons never change lives. Oh, they change moments. They don't they change, change lives. They don't change lives. You can get something, but it's to push you into the trajectory into something deeper with the Lord. He's like, but you know what? Sermons don't really. And I think part of that is like, because my husband's preached some good sermons. I'm not going to lie. And like, I remember them, but I think it's not, I, it's funny. Cause I'm not like focused on like who he is. I was like, man, I really, I remember that because it did something in me. So, but if we make it all about the sermon, I guess is what I'm saying. And all about the pastor preaching and the one person and not Jesus, we have to have the leaders say, this isn't about this. I want, I'm going to, I want to bring you something that you can hold on to so that you can move with Jesus over here. But it's not about, I mean, it's not about me. Right. Right. But listen, it's like, we have to have leaders who are powerful enough and secure enough to give power away. You Yes. You have yes. to be a leader who's powerful to. enough to give power away. Yeah. And, the, and and giving power away means you're empowering others. And when you say to your body, I am not the rock star here. You need to get together. I want you to have home groups. I want you to fellowship together. There's going to be little, there's going to be stars in each, tons of sisters yeah. in each of your home groups and your fellowships and let them shine, learn together, forsake not the gathering together. And it's so beautiful because um, 
Power of a virtuous, virtuous Woman just quoted one of my favorite Charles Spurgeon quotes. And this is mm-hmm. awesome. Then it comes to the Charles Spurgeon quote. She writes, if you have to give a carnival to get people to come to church, then you'll have to keep giving carnivals to keep them coming back. Bam. And he said this a long time ago. So the circus, yeah. the circus routine called church began a long time ago, Nova. I know. Now we're I just know. at, you know, cameras, lights, action, TV, blah, blah, blah. And listen, I, I mean, full disclosure, I go to a very large church. I've been on very large stages, all of that. But to be honest with you, I don't even, I don't need to be on that stage and I'm not asking. I don't, I, my, my heart is like, man, I I really want people to just fall in love with Jesus. And I, you know, inside my heart, I'm a very much a cozy, intimate person. So when I lead worship, my directive from the Lord is to create an atmosphere for people to have a meal with their father, period. Experience his pleasure, but experience his profound love Yeah. Uh, that will take them deeper into their week. And it it's, it's hard because I, I sit on both sides of the, listen, I've been in ministry with my husband for 27 years. The moment we got married, we were thrown into ministry and the church has been completely disillusioning for me in many, many ways. Yeah. And yet it's the part where it was like the people that were up here felt it was so disillusioning because it was like, I didn't know how we were being led or, and then when we became leaders, as we led the people above us, it, it was just really hard. But to me being going to, let's say the church, the building with people, that's where the life yeah. was like so deep and enriching and being with people. And really it was often it's been the people of the church, not not our leaders. Mostly it's people within the church that have really honestly cared for us so beautifully and we've cared for them. Like, it, and that's the, that has been the really deep privilege, you know, but uh, I, I think too, when people say, I love Jesus, but not the church so much, I think it's, being disillusioned with how things are run, where they see money's going, where seeing pastors be this way on stage and that way off stage. And I, I, I think that's, yeah, I think, yeah, yeah. And I, I mean, I can't obviously answer for that 61% that we saw back when we started this, like I can't answer for all of them, but I, as a, as a female in that, you know, I guess I'm in the Gen X uh, you know, that's my people, the Gen Xers. Yeah. You right. know, I think, right. um, that has been, I, cause I have often, honestly, Cynthia, it's like, I've said, I'm like, I love Jesus so much, but this, sometimes the church is just so disillusioning and part of its leadership. Part of it is people being disobedient and not submitting to Christ. And it is an age old problem. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. goes all the way back to, you know, God's people, the Israelites. Yeah. So this isn't a new thing. It just comes different in, but we are in a time where it, it, it feels different for sure. Right. Yeah. I, I will tell you uh, one encouraging thing 
um, is, and, and uh, Anna, if you put up the next graph, I'd love to read you this, this little kind of synopsis of this graph. Orthodox belief despite church absence. So um, actual, this is actually a percentage. Go, go back, baby, Anna. Let, let's go back to the second one before we jump to this one. Actually, this is an interesting one, Nova, because yeah. it sort of gives you the different areas of the United States. And then 63% um, white, which is which, which to me, that just is a statistic that makes sense because the majority of America is not black and brown. It's, it's white. It's Caucasian. So I don't know. I look at a number like that and go, oh, my God, it's so big. But, I mean, there's also more more Caucasian people, right? This is an interesting number though here. 25% of Republicans love Jesus, but not the church, while 30% of Democrats love Jesus, but not the church. Now this is uh, from 2016. I'd have to say that today it's probably a lot. I bet you there's a bigger disparity today because of the stuff that's gone on in our nation, you know, from 2016 to 2022, where we are today. Um, I do find this graph interesting because what it says to me is that there is a skew of church going believers that, that vote and consider themselves identified more with the Republican party than the democratic party. Um, I think, you know, I don't know if you have a thought about this one or not, Nov. I'm not sure. I, I, I mean, I'm not, obviously I'm no expert on that. I, I don't really know. I, I personally go to a church where I know there's a ton of Democrats and a ton of Republicans. Like it's pretty like people Balance. have their, yeah, they're, they, they don't see things the same way. We're pretty diverse in that. So I'm, I'm not really sure. I can't, yeah. I can't, I can't say with authority. Yeah. And, and I obviously haven't done my own study. It's an interesting know. It's an interesting one. And, and I think it kind of a lot of a lot of the questions and the stuff we're talking about, you guys, really becomes clear as we kind of go through, I think, these conversations and especially this article, because if you pop down to the third, the third one and the third graph, this is kind of encouraging. So it says, despite leaving the church, this group has maintained a robustly orthodox view of God in every case. Their beliefs about God are more orthodox than the general population, even rivaling their church-going counterparts. For instance, they strongly believe there is only one God. They affirm that God is the all-powerful, all-knowing, perfect creator of the universe who rules the world today. And they strongly agree that God is everywhere. That is really Interesting, despite their apparent discomfort with the church, this group still maintains a very positive view of religion. When asked whether they believe religion is mostly harmful, their response once again stood out from the general population and aligned with their church-going counterparts. 71% strongly disagreed with that statement that um, religion is mostly harmful. Um, compared to 71% among practicing Christians who believe that religion is mostly harmful and also 48% among U.S. adults. So that's really interesting. Um, Anna, go back to the, the graph before this one, just real quick for a minute. Orthodox beliefs. So th- this is like 
this is good. This means that people still are strong enough to say out of their mouth, you know, there is a God, Mm -hmm. he's all perfect, all knowing, and he's everywhere. So it's kind of those who love Jesus, but not the church are very on par with the evangelicals, which would be a more, you know, seriously practicing, going to church, going to the building, going to the conferences, reading the books, like the evangelicals seem to be, are, are in the, you know, the most solid category of a diet that consists of everything, right? Practicing Christians may do a little bit less sometimes. It's, so it was very, it was interesting. I mean, it's, it was interesting, you know, um, that 2% of evangelicals, like you look at that number, 100%, 100%. And I put the graph back up, hun, 100%, 100%, and then 98%. That's weird. That that was interesting. You know, I just, God, God is him. everywhere. So huh. um, going down now, pop the next graph up, Anna, just so we can take it in. These disagree. people disagree that religion is mostly harmful. So, or you could state it that they agree that religion is helpful. 71% right. of people who love Jesus, but not the church still think religion's helpful. of practicing Christians still think religion is helpful. 79% evangelicals still think religion is helpful. And all adults, this is an interesting number, all adults, even unbelievers, even unbelievers, 48% still think religion is helpful. Um, It's interesting to me that these numbers are what they are, because I would think that the, the last three categories, the two blues and the purple, should be a hundred percent and all adults I wish was way up above 50 because I think you have to be rather blind not to see even as an unbeliever that religion is helpful except that there are so many people who've been wounded by the church. Do you, Cynthia, do you think, I can't remember if the article touched on this or not, but are these statistics like with people saying, their their frame of reference is they've been hurt by the church or just like their thoughts on the church just their thoughts on the church uh there's not religion. really yeah i don't think there's much of a background of okay. what, who these people are um i know in my own personal experiences 99.999% of the time there's a story about church i agree i agree there's a story of pain like that you experience and um, hypocrisy. and often hypocrisy. And sometimes you experience this pain because people are saving their own hide. Oh. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Or, you know, yeah, it, it becomes like just a club for people right. and you're not like in the club. You're no right. longer cool. You're not young enough. You're not hip enough. You're not whatever enough. I just said hip like an old person. You're not hip enough. <laughs> But you know, you're not, you're not, you're not enough. And so I, I I agree. Like there, which by the way, can I just say that? Yeah. Yeah. Shocking message for any church to be sending to the flock. You're not enough. When we serve a God who died because we are enough. I know. But again, like I just go back to like, the church isn't leading the culture. They're not, they're not called. The church isn't a 
a culture create, and then it, oh man, this is so deep, but you know, we, we have to like our, the truth has to be Jesus Christ and Christ alone. He is our foundation. He, and you put, you put a church on anything, but Christ being the cornerstone and we're just going to have trouble and people are going to be disillusioned and listen, people are disillusioned no matter what, because we all have our issues. But I think if we're talking about, you know, the church and what the church has, has been and what it represents for many people, like you said, it represents a ton of pain and truth be told, uh, again, I've been, you know, I, I share the number, not because for any other reason, other than I've been, you know, married and in ministry for 20, almost, I guess, almost seven years and probably for two years, um, I, there was a two year period. I, I couldn't even attend church cause I was so wounded. And, and you know, what part of that is my own woundedness and my own story. Um, and really, you know, uh, having to go to what does, who is Jesus to me, you know, and is it good about, is it about me being happy in this particular church or do I really need to like take a look at myself? But I, I, but the truth is I was, I was super hurt and wounded out the gate, Cynthia, when I was like, just turned 21 and we got married and I was like a little youth pastor's wife at this, um, quite a religious type of church. I wanted to be involved and I, so I went to this like women's study and I was like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm like little 21 year old. I'm like, I just want to check it out, you know? And they looked at me and go, we don't check things out here. Either you're in or you're out. And girl, I sat there. I went into the first class and I was like trembling and I never went back. I was so intimidated. I was so like crushed by the fact that she didn't say, I mean, she was an older woman. She was probably in her seventies. She could have said, Oh baby girl, come like, we want you to be a part of this. Right. But you know what it was? It was me just this little 21 year old going like, I left my country. I don't have any family. I just wanted to be a part of something. And I was right. completely rejected because I couldn't say right then I'm signing up for the study and I'm going to be in forever. I, it hurt me so bad. And I just went, I, girl, I lived 75 feet from where they were meeting. Cause I was on the church property and I never and went back. the street to go to the other side. I know I probably never walk back. around the building. Yeah. No, that, I, I mean, I could see where they met from my house and I never went back. I don't blame you. I mean, imagine. For, for hey girls, we've all like gone on a date before, right? Imagine yeah. that being your opening line. Okay, honey, Jack, John, whatever your name is, you're either all in or you're all out on me, and I want to know now. Now, now here's he, now we here, order appetizers, right, right. <laughs> but here's what I want to say too, Cynthia, is like because we can come at church a lot of different ways. Now, was I young and immature? Of course, I was. I was young and I. I was wounded and was probably not at the healthiest place. And I, I am going to say this years later, about four or five years in, my husband had won the hearts of all these elderly, wonderful people who ended up being such a support system to us, but that it was unnecessary for me to feel that at the beginning. And that's what I want to say. Like you said, when we go to church, it's not about like, well, what am I going to get? Is there going to be a good enough word? Am I going to like that? It's like, I go in going, I want to be part of this God show me, like, show me how to be part of this working body of believers. And where can I show up with you to like, 
be a part of this, you know? I got to tell you what you're saying is really convicting for me uh, on a level also because I do tend to go to church with the thought of, okay, am I going to get real anointed worship? Am I going to get a real anointed word? So I do go with this high expectation yeah. of what I'm going to get from it. But the, but I I have a but, a yeah but behind that <laughs> statement, which is, which don't most of us Christians, um, because I'm in ministry and in leadership and when I'm here doing Girl Club or when I'm filming my sessions TV program for TBN, um, it's all about what you're going to get, what the other person's going to get, what the viewer's going to get, how impacted they're going to be. Yeah. So I find that my everyday life is about pouring out because I'm I'm a mom. I pour out into my, my son. I pour out into all of our adopted kids. I'm a spiritual mom. I pour out into those young people. And, and, and so I do tend to go to church going, who has the best gasoline to put in my tank? And, you know, as I sit here and think about it, I mean, I don't know how to call that right or wrong, no. you know, and I think about what my husband says when he's like, you, you know, you go to church to be a blessing, not just to get blessed. And I'm like, you know, part of me when he says that is like, honey, I'm a blessing seven days a week. I want to be blessed. <laughs> Me. But you know what? I mean, what if Jesus said that? Yeah. What if Jesus came and said, I lived my whole life blessing you people, you idiots. And no, I'm not getting on the cross. That's so funny. Yeah. You know, Cynthia, I... I've, I've, I mean, we all love going to church and, and it being awesome. Like really, man, it's like, man, when God has really like touched our hearts, we love that experience. It's just, absolutely. It, it's just, the thing is that can't be the thing that fuels us. Like, so we're like fueled up in the do, 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 till next Sunday. It's, it's like, our adrenal glands will get worn out because it's like the big high. And then you just like wait all week long for someone else to fill you up. And I think it, yep. okay. So the, the, the church, you know, in discipling people in the area of spiritual transformation, I think has probably been lacking because we're not teaching people the transformation power uh, of the gospel and the, the, the spiritual disciplines of being a follower of Christ. I, I think that's, it. it's like, perhaps the church has, and even not me, so many well-meaning churches, but, you know, we haven't necessarily said, Hey, you know, we just, we want you to be surrendered followers of Christ. However that looks like, and, and again, culturally, because the world, like the church has like gotten their ideas from, the worldly culture, we're trying to keep up with what's cool. So we can like, it's like you grab people, right? Like in a promo, you grab people so that they come back. Like, I think Mish was saying that, uh-huh. right? She, so, you know, why do people not want to like, why do they like love Jesus, but not the church? I think it's, 
I think the church has just has to look really different from the world, to be well, honest with yeah. you. Yeah, I mean it's 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 complex and seen and it now, is complex. Yeah, you bring me to the next thing when we start asking, well, why? Why is there this large group of people that love Jesus but not the church? Well, Anna, if you bring up the next graph. A lot of people believe that all religions basically teach the same thing. So the story changes slightly when it comes to the distinctiveness of Christianity. Just over half disagree strongly and somewhat that all religions basically teach the same thing. So just over half disagree. So that means about half of the people think that all religions basically teach the same thing which is much closer to the general population of 51% than practicing Christians of 68%. And even further from evangelicals, 86% of evangelicals would say, you know, no way that the church does not teach the same thing as other religions. But there's a, there are people who do think the church just teaches the same thing. So in the absence of a rigid religious identity provided by the authority of the church, this group appears to be more affirming of the claims of other religions and open to finding and identifying common ground. Okay, is that a good thing or a bad thing? And this may begin to be the beginning of the thing. Oh my goodness. I can't. You got a lot of people who think that, Christianity basically teaches the same thing as other religions, like what, 45%? But is that because Christianity has watered down the truth of the gospel? And so I think so. Okay. I think so. Yeah. Well, because Because we're we're very into self help, like, you know, and we, I mean, and there is a lot of common ground with other religions and faiths. If you water down the truth of the Bible, which is that Jesus Christ is the son of God. We believe in the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, right? God come to earth as the son, the Holy Spirit we are now left with. They are the triune Godhead. Jesus Christ died for our sins. And the only way to the father is through the son. The only way you're saved is through the son. I'm sorry. I just put it in like a little tiny sentence the total distinctiveness of Christianity versus other religions. Yeah. One way to the father. There's no other way to the father, but the son. And that is the distinctive thing. And honestly, I've, I've seen, you know, big time pastors on TV, water that down to like zero, like, right. Like, well, no, I think, you know, basically we all kind of get there. We all kind of get there you know, however we do. And, and I think that honestly, that is the sly lie of the enemy is to water down the truth of the gospel of Jesus. Yeah. So this is my comment to that. Um, do you believe that the watering down is because the church has allowed The church has become so, so many in the church have become more about the show of Christianity than the God of Christianity. 
For example, it goes to 2 Timothy, right? Which we spent weeks teaching on, on my TBN series. And it's the, it's sort of the, for in the last days, there will be perilous times. And it's Paul writing this letter to Timothy, warning him of these last days. And the first thing he says about why there will be perilous times for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, lovers of, of, you know, (laughs) boasters, uh, prideful, um, disobedient to their parents, uh, you know, having a form of godliness, but rejecting the true power thereof. Yeah. I, you know, I, I mean, I just think about Jesus and I'm like, if he made himself nothing, Cynthia, he made himself nothing. If he is our litmus, then we make ourselves nothing and he is everything. And not that we don't, he loves us. That It's not the identity talk. It's it's not making much of us because we know he is everything. He's it. But we have, we have become very into... this Instagram fame culture that we don't look different. The church, and again, I'm not saying we, these necessarily all the individuals that attend a gathering, but like the, the church as like an establishment, um, has I think missed the mark a lot. This is yeah. this is like a really uncomfortable conversation because like honestly I again I I've experienced kind of everything that you could experience in the way of disillusionment with leadership but I, I just I told you the other day said but man I I love the Lord and the reason why I keep on going is because I love the body and there's so many that like they, you know, haven't experienced anything, any disillusioning things. They just, man, they just come because they know they're going to get loved on by the people that come. They're going to feel God's presence. They, they need a time. And, and this is part of like, people's growth in their walk, like what they need at a specific time. And I think there's a lot of, I I will never, I'm not saying like, I would never throw out the church, like, like the, the place where we, I mean, I think there's so much beauty in that. I think the problem is that we look like a haggard bride often who's got a cigarette hanging out of her mouth and ripped dress. And, you know, we just look a little haggard doing a walk of shame, but Jesus loves his bride. And we get to be a part of the bride and we want to show up and bring beauty to the bride. Right. And I think that's the part where I can always go back to, I'm like, Lord, you love us. I don't know how sometimes, but I know you, you, you love us. Why? We're such, we can be so corrupt and ugly and, you know, we're, just these humans that are sinful and selfish and we're we're cruel to each other. Yeah. You know? And I'm like, why do you, 
why do you love us? Yeah. Yeah. And it, it's, you know, I think it, it, this is a perfect uh, concern. I think the, the reason why there are people who love Jesus, but not the church has a lot to do with all of these things. And Miche said, this is a very beautiful comment. I do worry about the watering down of the church's beliefs. Maybe it's because I'm older these days, a grandmother, but I think the young now are confused because there are so few boundaries to follow. And it's true. And it's exactly what we're saying. I mean, the one thing that I learned clearly about parenting is that children want boundaries. I, I, I have raised so many extra young people, been a part of their lives, right? From elementary school with my son, you know, my son always had good friends and they've stayed good friends. Elementary school, then high school, he added to that group. Then university, he added to that group. The one consistent through all those years is that I I learned that I had to reparent a lot of children because they would come over to my house and even little things like go in your refrigerator and take something, right? Now I'm old school. You don't go in someone's refrigerator and just take. You ask, ma'am, may I please? Yes and no, thank you. Um, Young people would come over, even in college, I remember, because we opened our home to a huge Bible study. So we'd have hundreds of kids every week on Thursday nights gathered together for Bible study. And then throughout the four or five years of my son's college experience, thousands of young people. That's why I have a lot of spiritual kids. Anyway, these a lot of the kids would come over shoes on coming in from the snow feet would go up on the table or they would sit on the back of the couch. Now mama does not play that. They all called me mama. And I was like, you get to get your behind off my couch, take your feet off my table, get up off the back of my sofa. And, and eventually what I noticed, to be honest with you, is that then the kids, there would be the kids who would then turn around and say, You can't sit on the back of that sofa. You cannot put your feet on the couch. They started teaching each other because I would instruct them. And, you know, little silly stuff like that. It's just I learned so much about so many young people. And it really is a lot of us in the church need to think about it the same way. There's instruction lacking in how to be the kind of young person that people want to invite back for a second time. You know, I think, I think what you're talking about to, I mean, you say boundaries, but it's discipleship. So yes. we have to show up so that we disciple and, and yes. And you did instruct them and then they caught it and they get themselves. So you are a, you're a discipler who makes disciples, who those disciples make disciples. And I think that is probably what is, I I can't remember who commented about us being so like we're consumers. So we're not necessarily concerned about discipling. We want to consume. Right. Right. And we're, and you know what I think too, the older generation, I think maybe even like the boomers and the elders, and and the Gen Xers, some of the I think I could safely say they're like exhausted. Yeah. <laughs> you know? 
Yeah. They're kind of exhausted. The church yeah. has, has tired them out a little bit because they're not, they're like, wait, we're fighting for like these boundaries. Like you said, Cynthia, like doing that. And then it's like, that isn't necessarily valued. What's valued is like, look at this hot, hot, new, young preacher, teacher. And that's what's valued in the church, not discipling people and, and, and it being about community and, um, you know, obviously like you're an evangelist, but you're an evangelist who speaks Jesus. So people get it so that they can know Christ, but it doesn't stop there. It's like you, you're discipling them. You've, you've, you've walked with them. And I think it's like the church maybe has failed at walking with people. I, you know, I got to tell you, it's true. And I've said this a million times. I love this, this, there's a ministry of and they're a big church called CRC, uh, Christian Revival Center and Christian Revival Church. And they're based in South Africa. They're massive throughout South Africa. They have a church in London. I, I'm friends with all the leadership. I speak at their conferences. And I always say, I love this ministry. Love it. It is the, headed by Pastor Ott Boshoff. And while he and Pastor Ott is from the army. So, and God loves order, make no mistake about it. So he is definitely the general over the ministry worldwide because it's a global ministry now, but he has under him, he has his captains and all those captains have their churches and they, while they answer to him, they, they are very much on the same page. The page being discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. If we are not getting souls saved and walking with those people, they get, they, they offer them rides to church. They will go to your villages. They will pick you up. They will get you there. If you want to get to church and you can't, they will get you there. And it's the discipleship is their goal. And that is not the goal of most churches today. Most churches get a lot of churches get close to it. They want to they want to get people saved. They want to get people to the altar. They want to get people to the altar. But if you stop there, then you what you're saying to me is it's all about you. You just want to get people to come to the altar to give their lives to Christ because you want that moment of being able to say, "Yeah, I led 3,000 people today." Okay, but what have you done for them lately? And that's my question. And that's why for me, I prefer I really do. I love, you know, the the church and we're going to get into some deep reasons as to why we should be going to the building and contributing. However, this thing that we're doing here, this to me really and truly is more about discipleship because we've got to be willing to interact. I mean, I have gone to churches and had pastors say to me when I say to them, can you put some microphones in the audience? What? Why do you want to do that? Well, because I want to talk to them. I want to interact. I don't just want to bring a message. I want to hear what they have to say. Well, what if they say something that you don't have an answer for? Or what if they say something bizarre? And I'm like, well, A, I talk a fair amount. I'm pretty sure I have an answer for everything. Even if the answer is, you know what? You need to go sit over there and talk to my husband. He's going to answer that question. I mean, why are we afraid as leaders of just being transparent and being able to say, I don't have an answer for that question. I know an elder. I know a scholar that does move right over there right now. Go talk to him or just saying, you know what? I don't know. I'll get back to you. Like, 
And I think it's a part of the problem with church yeah. is like we, a lot of leaders are content to let the flock look at them as the perfect one, the chosen one, the yep. man with the plan, yep. and they yep. won't get transparent. And so the leaders and the ministries that I tend to really vibe to are the ones led by people who are transparent about what they've gone through and are going through. They value testimony because they know that we overcome by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony of what God did and is doing in our lives. And their whole goal is discipleship because discipleship is about making disciples. And when you disciple people, you're giving power away. You're giving it away. You're giving it away. You're giving it away. Yeah, because it's not about you. It's like you right. you actually just like you fade out so that Jesus can be great. Something that you said about pe- people like people picking others up like to get to church. When I see the church, I'm going to say in America because I can't speak to other parts of the world that I don't know. But I've been to a fair amount of different churches. I think we have such a convenient Christianity. We've made it so convenient. It's like you don't like the 8 a.m. service. Do you want it? Do you want it at nine? You want it at nine thirty? You want it to, like what? What fits with you? Because like I know you guys need to ski in the afternoon. Does that make like so? I think we've become so, again. That's culture. It's like why well, we have kids soccer on Sunday and we've got this and that. So culture has like been the driving world culture has driven the church's decisions as opposed to the church driving the culture and saying like, this is what we do. Um, so I, I really think we've been convenienced and we convenience people uh, to come to Great. church so that it feels good for them. And um Agree. I mean, I don't know, Cynthia, like agree hear, hearing the, what you said about that church in South Africa, right? Uh-huh. And South Africa and London and, and London. Yeah. And Australia like really being inconvenienced yeah. to disciple people. It's not convenient. It's not convenient at all. People no. show up at your door and it's not convenient. Right. And it wasn't convenient for Jesus to come and grow up and be lied to, uh, you know, and eventually led to his death and his whole, you know, he was, it was a big inconvenience. <laughs> well, every time we pray and ask him for the things on our to-do list, it's an inconvenience to him, I'm sure, because he's probably like, you know, I just need to get about the business of getting, you know, everyone to know about me so I can return and make this, you know, make things as I created them to be originally. But, you know, it is really funny because I always say, Nova, you know, when you talk about inconvenience, I always say, how do you spell love? What does love look like? How do you spell it? T-I-M-E. Love is inconvenient. Love never shows up from nine to five. It usually shows up from seven to 2 a.m. Love needs from you when you don't have. Love is often someone not loving you back. Love is often someone walking in total selfishness and take, take, taking and not really looking to give. I mean, love is spelled time. You know, it, 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 it's, it's an end. When you're not interested in discipleship, you're not interested in putting in the time. And then what you end up is a lot of people who love Jesus, but not the church, because they look at the church as an unsafe place 
that's simply going to judge them or make them feel good on Sunday. And as as one of our viewers wrote, but by Monday, you're kind of back to the same old cycle. I know I lived in that cycle for many, many, many years. I loved going to church because I needed that word. I needed the message. God was always speaking to me in the message. But by Monday, I was back in my mess. And it really took me spending deep, deep time in developing my personal relationship with the Lord and confronting my brokenness for me to actually become solid enough to look at the church objectively with all of its faults and flaws and be able to say, yeah, but Jesus loves his bride and I want to be a part of making his bride more beautiful for her wedding day. And that requires time. It requires us to show up on a Saturday morning to help the bride pick out the right wedding dress. It requires us to show up on Saturday and the rest of the days throughout the week to help the bride buy shoes and put the right lipstick color on and like all these things. And I know, I know that that's what you're committed to. You know, I know that that's a big reason why we love each other so much is because we can understand each other's pain in the commitment and, and our frustrations. And I think for a lot of you out there, your frustration with quote unquote, the church, when you see people that you wonder, you know, are they in this for the right reasons? Do they, do they love, do they, I think that's why I take things so personally when I, I get like attacked, I got attacked on social media once because I posted a, a photo of my husband and I, And it was my husband and I, and the caption said, still flying together after all these years. It was just a moment, you know, where I looked at my husband and I thought, man, we have been through a lot. That was it. I posted it. Well, we were on a private plane. I didn't even think about that. We were on a private plane because my son works with a company that owns a private plane and the partners, because we love on them and disciple them all the time. They love my son because my son loves on them and is a believer. And they love that my son is a mama's boy. And so they love mom because they, they all, you know, they call me mom. Right. And so, cause I mean, these are like young, you know, these are like 30 and 40 something year old, you know, these young Turks who are rolling right. And making the world go round in venture capital and tech. But you know, the founding partner whom I adore, Justin was like, you want a ride? We'll give you a ride. We were going, I don't know, somewhere, Miami or something. They were going for business meetings or what have you. I was like, yeah, we're going to roll out and take that ride on that private plane. Thank you for blessing us. I post a picture that has nothing to do with any of that backstory. It just had to do with me looking at my husband and going, wow, we are still flying together after all these years. And we've had a lot of turbulence and a lot of ups and downs, as many of A lot of Southwest flights. <laughs> exactly. Don't hate. Appreciate for Pete's sake. Can't mama put her buns on some leather nice seats once? Every now and then. Can I tell you, this guy started this attack. See, you know, you should be ashamed to be in ministry, flying privately, taking all that money for all. Like, taking all that money. Anna and I laughed for days. We're like, taking all that money. Can we just stop right there? I, I have a difficult time even asking and encouraging you guys to donate to the ministry so that we can keep these TV programs going, so that we can keep Girl Club and this live stream going and airing on the platforms it airs on. Because it's just not me, right? 
And I was so offended. I was like, there is some ugly in this thing called church, man. And whoever. But, but you know what, Cynthia, you would probably would have never been judged like that had there not been stories of people who are like begging people for money and then flying on their private this, that and the other thing, you know. <sighs> Like, I mean, you probably wouldn't have been attacked had there not been the underlying story of what we've seen, which is a bride that can look really like they care for the people, but really they're caring for themselves. And so you were caught in the, you were, you were caught in that, like you were just being blessed by somebody who is, that's how they roll. Cause they're a business person and you got in the middle of that. And that, right. that's the sad part. That right. is the sad part because you got caught in it right. and then people just judge. Right. And that's why we end up with people who say they love Jesus, but not the church. And in reality now, then everyone's reacting and replying incorrectly because he judged something he didn't know, but he did it because he's been broken by something that he knows. And, and so the story goes. And so the story goes. And so this conversation will continue in the coming weeks. And I, we're going to pick up next week with being privately spiritual and considering yourself spiritual. And do you, don't you? And how many of these numbers, you know, those who love Jesus, but not the church, those practicing Christians and those evangelicals, and then all those others people who are unbelievers or believe different faiths, where do they all fall in that? And um, I mean, this has been so good, Nova. And I, I hope that we've been a blessing to those of you watching today and those of you who will be watching throughout the week. Um, and, and uh, you know, it's a beautiful thing to love the Lord. It's a challenging thing to love the Lord's church. But dot, 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 we are all in this together and we got to find a way to love each other, to be unified and to forsake not the gathering together of the brethren. Of the brethren. Of the brethren. Yes. Because you know what? Fellowship is everything. I'll tell you, every time I leave this situation, every week, Nova, no matter how hard it was for me to get my Saturday together, and I love you guys that my Saturday can often, you know, if I'm traveling or I'm exhausted, which I have been from moving and all this stuff, you know, I can throw on a sweatshirt, pop a beanie on my head, put my glasses on and sit in a bed, in a chair, on the floor, wherever it happens to be. And we can fellowship together and we can be iron sharpening each, each other and we can be girl club, a club of real girls who have real talk about real issues and seek together to apply our very real faith. So unless love you've got you. something to add, I love you too. I'm going to say after it's all said and done and everything that I know that we've both walked through the things that my husband and I, when I've wanted to quit on the church, um, I definitely never wanted to quit on Jesus. And I'm going to say, I need his help daily to, to be the church myself. And I really need him. And I really, I love him. And I, I know that I can't do life without him. And I, 
And truthfully, Cynthia, I really, I want to love the church and I want to be part of a loving church. And it might not look like what we see out there. It might look different. And that's, and that's a, a maybe a, the next conversation too. Yeah. And, and it has, that look different has some very positive effects and it has some very damaging and dangerous effects. And so we're going to look at all of them, you know, um, because that's what we do here. We're going to look at all of it and we're going to reason together how and why God is good and effective and where we need to be as we go forward and live our lives, where we need to be and how we need to be thinking, because we're not just here to receive from the church and to be blessed by it. We're also here to give and to be a blessing. And so I'm Cynthia Garrett with Nova Page. You have been a part of another great Girl Club conversation. And um, hey, tribe, we're out for the week. We'll see you (laughs) next week. Peace. God's word will change our life, but sometimes it's hard to know where to start. Well, that's where I come in. I'm Jody Nisnik, host of So Much More, Creating Space for God, a scripture meditation podcast. And each week I guide you through a scripture, giving you space to listen to the spirit and pray about what's on your heart. Then we have a thoughtful conversation with guests to help us go deeper. Listen and subscribe at lifeaudio.com.